Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Vertical Momentum. This is going to be a great, great episode. Uh, the gentleman that we're going to talk to is a vital part of this show. He actually came up with the name. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Jason Lane Curtis. Thank you for sponsoring the show. You give me energy to get through sometimes when I do five or six interviews a day. Thank you for your supplement. We love it. So definitely, if you love energy drinks like I do, check out Jason Lane Curtis of Bonvera. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about, especially about relationships, um, especially about marriage. So I'm going to enjoy Daniel, my brother, what's going on? A lot of things, sir, as usual. <laughs> oh, you, man, you always you always got stuff going on. You are like you're one busy individual. Yeah, I guess I try to be, but not be at the same time. It just depends on the moment. <laughs> How you liking the new the new the new home? Um, we've been here for about a year. Uh, we're hopeful to get back to Arizona. We started a new business called Legrity Media, so our goal is to get back to Arizona, but. It is a good place to be in Delaware for now, so but uh, it's a short-term plant. So, okay. So first of all, um, like I said, w- without you, the name of this show would not be what it is. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And You're welcome. It's, it's truly it's 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 gone truly amazing. We're like top five in the world now. Wow. Top five percent. So it's and it's all because of of you that that we had this name. So, and it's also because of Travis Johnson for helping me with the podcast, but let's talk to us about you. Tell us a little bit about where you were from, where you were born and raised and what kind of little boy Daniel was. Well, Daniel's always been little. Uh, even if you meet me, I'm only five, eight and a half. The combat boots only make me an inch and a half taller. So, um, Rhode Island was my original home. I lived there for about 18 years and then I, and since then I've been moving ever since. So I've had about 37 moves in 39 years. And again, the majority of them are from 18 till now. So as a Rhode Islander, I just went over and played and had fun. And just um, life was very passive for me. I just allowed it to pass by. Once I got military, my that's basically a summary of that. Rhode Island for me is just not a cup of tea anymore but it was my upbringing so that's where i came from now were you good in school were you a good student oh no i was a c and d student the majority of my years school senior year inch by inch is a cinch yard by yard is hard so uh, i learned that in high school at my senior year and then finally realized i'm like if i just take it little bit by little bit so if you're that young kid like adhd or just hate learning and everything else. If you just take it in little chunks at a time, you can actually do very, very well. So I highly recommend when you get out of high school, if you can go to an asynchronous school, which is like Western Governors University or like, hey, learn at your own pace, take one class at a time, like uh, Ashford University. Definitely, if you're that type of kid or an adult, that helps you out a lot. That's how I became from a C and D student to an A student. It's just taking it inch by inch is a cinch because yard by yard was hard. So yeah, school for me, yeah, it wasn't that stellar student, so. Now, were, did you go to college right after school, or did you go right into the military? 
Uh, it was a mixture of both. So I went in the military for, uh, I mean, not the military, I went into the college for about a year. And uh, again, it was just really difficult trying to manage a full school load. I wish I should just took one class at a time instead of multiple classes at a time. But that's the way you get go, grow up. It's like, you need to go to school. You need to go to full time. You want to get all these benefits and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, me, zombie, follow the model. So I followed the model and went to college, you know, 12 credit hours and started bombing classes. The only classes that I passed was psychology and sociology, which is ironic. And that's how now I'm helping people with their relationships. So it's like God's providence that those only two classes I passed, even though I was taking electronics technology at the time. So then I went into the military after like, there was just nothing left for me in Rhode Island. It's like emotionally, transactionally, financially, relationally, the economy, all that jazz. And I just, the recruiter called me and I brought a girl to the recruiter because she was my friend. I told her that I have a boyfriend. And I, after that, that was the last straw. And then I went into the military. <laughs> so what, what branch of service did you choose and why? Uh, I chose the Air Force. And this is the funny part. I didn't choose the Army because I thought I was going to die because I just heard of all the stories of the Army people. And I'm like, I'm thankful for the Army now. But at the time, I was naive and dumb. The Navy, I couldn't swim. And the Marines, I'm like, I'm too small. I'm probably going to die because I won't make it through basic training. So the Air Force recruiter was it. But it was mainly for the girl. Like the girl wanted to go see the Air Force recruiter. And I told her I had a crush on her. And he told me more about the Air Force. And she didn't like me. So I was like, I, well, I got nothing left. So And the Air Force was interesting. And then he said, I'll get you a guaranteed job in electronics and all this other jazz and free food every time I met him. So it was like, it was a win, win, win. And uh, yeah, so I chose Air Force and I was supposed to work on aircraft maintenance. So well, how did you do on your ASVAB and what job did you actually get? Well, ASVAB, I did really well. My mechanical was low. My mechanicals was 50. My general was like a 70. My administration and electronics were like 80s and 90s. So it was guidance and control. So it was supposed to be aircraft maintenance. And I, I originally applied for ground radar, but I never got that. So it was guidance and control because they guaranteed me a job set. It wasn't like a set job. So um, I got guidance and control, went to that school, but I bombed out of that school. So I never became a guidance control person. I then got forced into security forces for your know, army people. It's military police. I'm glad I failed out of that. I can't shoot worth a dime. <laughs> I mean, literally, I can't. People invite me to go shooting. It's like, uh, you want everything on the left and the right to be shot? Nothing straight dead center. So if Al-Qaeda ever came in front of me, he's going to live. If he's on my left or my right, he's going to die because I'll aim straight and he'll get hit left and right. So security forces I failed out of too. And eventually I became this career field called informational management. So nowadays it's called administration. So I did that. That was my first military career field I actually passed and then went to my first base. So what was it like, you know, a kid coming from Rhode Island and now all of a sudden you're around all these people different from around the world? It was a culture shock for me because, again, I was just very isolated. I went to uh, elementary, middle, high school. I went to a career and technical high school. I did electronics technology and just very naive. I read a lot. But I believed everybody what everybody said. So whatever my father, my mother, and the influential friends in my life said, I 
investigated truth. I never investigated logic. I never investigated whatever. If you were influential in my life, I just believe you. So 18 coming in and then speak life. And then you're a person like me that speaks naturally in authority. And then you find out that you're wrong. And then you're really being, you're really that you're stupid. And stupid is not a bad thing. Stupid just means lacking knowledge or wisdom. And I lacked a lot of, lacked a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom at that time. So for me, it was an eye opener from things that my parents taught me to things that my siblings uh, showed me and everything else and culture. Yeah, it was a huge culture shock. I almost left basic training. It was like just too difficult. And this guy in my fourth week pretty much like saved me like emotionally and spiritually. And I, I wish I could remember his name. It was in my flight, but I thank him for it to this day because he's the one that encouraged me to keep going. And then I made it through basic training. So for me, the first 18 months was a huge just culture shock for me uh, going from freelance kid to military discipline and then everything's in order and an instruction or a method and whatnot and everything had to be perfect it was like it was just a very interesting 18 months now did you deploy anywhere yeah i actually i've done 21 years now so i deployed four times so first time i uh what was it 2000 six so it took until 2006 no it was 2003 sorry 2003 was my first deployment i was a postal troop so i admin to being postal journeyman so i was delivering mail i didn't go nuts i'm making the joke about postal, but i went down there and did that for about four months no came back and then it was 2007 was the next one and that was when my no when my son was about to be born and did four months over there. And then 2009, my daughter Faith was born during that time. And that was uh, about four, four or five months. And that was CENTCOM headquarters. That was a nice one. And then my last one, twins were either newly born or just born. And that was in 2011. And that was Kuwait. So that was probably my roughest one because it was UAE, Florida, and then UAE, no, it was UAE, UAE, Florida and then Kuwait, but nothing like the the frag of Iraq and Afghanistan. Like I was on the border of Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, for where I was at, but I never like actually hit the frag frag. So, and I had every time I went there. So I did four different AFSCs or MOSs within those four deployments. So each one, even if it was the same place, it was a totally different feel. Okay, so now because you're still you're still in you're still in the military, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very cognizant of opsec and all that stuff. Um, but you know, one thing that I'm I'm really I really want to get into is um, most guys or girls when they get in the military and they get married, they're divorced within like a year or two. I think they got like a seventy or eighty percent divorce rate. And um, a lot of people don't real don't realize that when a soldier is deployed, um, their wives and their husbands that are home are doing just as much as a deployment as you are. Um, and sometimes they have to pull a little bit more weight than you do. You just have to come home safe where they have to take care of everything at home. So how did you um, keep your relationship strong the way you have? over the last eight, 18 or 20 years. 
You know, for the first deployment, I wasn't married, but the second one I was, and we were on the brink of divorce. I didn't have those tools and skill sets. I was wrestling with a divorce with a brand new baby at that particular time. And it was chaplains with then studying the gospels and everything else and getting some uh, wisdom from, you know, supervisors and a lot, a lot of reading to learn my wife. I got my doctorate degree, my wife, and I don't mean I studied eight years of my wife. I mean, I studied her most fervently, the highest and the most investment. And I was doing it backwards. I think most of us do. We like get married and we go over and we think we won the prize and won the trophy. And we really didn't. We need to continue to learn and to woo and to connect with our spouse at multiple different levels. And that first deployment was, yeah, getting that clue and getting that uh, mindset and everything else. So it was a real awakening on that second deployment, first one being married. And then once I got to the second one, uh, we started having a battle rhythm and then really thinking daily, how can you integrate your spouse into what you're doing? You can be thousands of miles away. You can be a mile away from your spouse and you could be not engaged and have your mental, emotional, social, and spiritual stuff messed up and you don't have a good mess inventory. That's a new model I built just recently. And if you have a bad mess, you be on the fence. If you have a good mess and you're dealing with your mental, emotional, social, and spiritual and staying connected with your spouse and you have a good mess inventory, then you're going to go over and thrive. So 2009 was like each and every day, my spouse into my day. How can I go over and alleviate burdens even though a thousand miles away? How can I stay mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually connected? And looking at every opportunity. So that second deployment, wife was pregnant with number two, delivered number two while I was. And then I'm at CENTCOM headquarters. And yes, there's a risk to forward deploy, but I'm like three bedroom apartment, $50 a day, uh, getting paid E5 pay and don't have too many people I'm connected. I flew her out like 48 hours later after I had that realization. So had her and William and Faith down there for the remainder of the time. We just had a contingency. If I forwarded deployed, then, hey, we just have a contingency last minute you fly out. We just had a budget to go over and do that. That's it. So that was deployment number two. Deployment number three, it was just like what ways and technology that we can get and everything else and how I can be involved and connecting with churches and families and say, hey, this is who we are. Can you go over and assist, keep her mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually connected as much as possible. And even if you can even connect intimacy wise, there's a lot of apps and a lot of technology now worldwide that if you're fine with your relationship in that regard and using those tools and products, then you can stay connected through video and also other intimacy things. So each of those times, just trying to look at that particular guard, because if you don't, you got to treat your deployment holistically how do you get ready for the battlefield well how am i getting ready for the marital battlefield that i'm walking into if you're not preparing your life from bedroom to boardroom and you're just worried about all about the boardroom your bedroom and living room could be destroyed when you come back yeah and you know because i tell everybody you know because once your home life is squared away 90 percent of your battles you can deal with you can, you can deal with that other 10%, but if your home life is screwed up, everything is going to be screwed up, you know? Yeah, mentally. So now talk to us, because um, some of us 
you know, I didn't find Christ until much, much later in life. So how, you know, because they say that there's three people in every relationship and that's, you know, husband, God and, and wife. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about that. Yeah, th- those first several years that I became a Christian, I didn't know how to integrate that. It was actually in like from 2006 when I got married. It was more like me, her, and Christ would come in occasionally. And it would be based on my convenience. I was called point blank. It wasn't until actually 2013 that I got spiritually kicked in the nuts, which I talked about in my book, Leave No Marriage Behind. And that's where I had a horrible mess. I wasn't dealing with things right mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. So for bringing Christ now in from 2013 to 2021, and I don't do it perfect every day. You know, it's going over and factoring that that third person relationship and everything you're going over and doing, because if you don't, you're just going over and not leveraging the most awesome power that you have in your life and in your spouse's life. So it might not be prayer every day, but it might be individual prayer and then also bringing in corporate prayer. I mean, and also thinking of him for your next steps and everything else. So to and thinking about how do you bring that with your kids and interactive and new ways to do that especially with the technology we have today and the media that we have today like the chosen is a fantastic app that really contextualizes 21st century how to how did jesus go over and walk it has some you know interpretation and artistic form and whatnot but that's a fantastic opportunity to engage conversations and with your spouse and with your kids so it's it's a daily battle and we all have our ebbs and flows like for me, I had my seven years of suck, you know, in my walk, even though I became a Christian in um, 2002. And I was in my marriage until started that transformation from 13 to roughly about 18, 19. Um, so it's a daily thing. And don't over and beat yourself up. It's like, I didn't pray 15 times during the day with my wife go over and pray while road rage was hitting me at the car or whatever. It's just that continual to continue to walk through. And as your partner is, you know, challenging you and helping you grow in that regard, you both start doing it together because you're going to have weak moments, both pro and con. And then the biggest thing is that you, the long term is you have to walk this life Christ because there's going to be moments that your wife or your husband's not doing that. In those moments when you're strong, they could be weak and vice versa. And the Lord can use your spouses for that strength for you both to come back intimately. We've had our moments, you know, my wife went through a lot of spiritual trials, like through churches and whatnot, how she was treated. And for me, I just go over, I'm like, the Lord has it for a reason. My wife's more, she got hurt by those reasons. So had to be that consistency, even despite those moments. And for me, you know, it's like when I was the ranting a-hole, that's the nicest word I could call it. You know, she was consistent and loyal to me, even though I treated her not like the diamond she was. I treated her more like the coal. A lot of pressure, but I wasn't creating a diamond. I was just putting a lot of pressure. Now, I've noticed because I've talked to now I have I'm up to almost 300 episodes. I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of veterans, you know, they get deployed 12, 14, 16 months and they come back and they automatically try to fit back in really fast. And because the, sometimes the wife or the husband, whoever the spouse was, 
had to take over father and mother figures and take charge of the checking account and all that stuff that sometimes it's hard for people to fit back in very fast as soon as they get home from deployment. Can you talk about that from people you've talked to? Yeah. And I can talk about it from myself too and how I failed at it. So in 2007, I, I failed at that. I tried to go over and just take right over. I came in with a nine month, uh, nine month and change pregnant wife and then walking into all that life. And I kind of rushed in, tried to take over and try to take over childcare and all those other types of things. It's like, it was a horrible transition. It's just like, you know, especially if you're brokenness in 2007, that deployment, I didn't deal with it. So, um, in 2009, I started to get a clue, but it was still more about me. It wasn't until like 2011, I had a clue and I was actually now teaching this stuff because I worked in mental health. That was like my last active duty job. So when I worked in mental health, it's like, you know, I was starting to study this doctor degree stuff a little bit. I, I was hence from 13 on forward, but I was starting to study about myself and then teaching others through mental health. The first thing is you go in is you can't just go plug back in. It's kind of like if you come back from an deployment and you're expecting the same job and the same office and nothing's changed, everything's changed. Your bedroom from your to your boardroom totally changed and your bedroom is going to see you're going to see the most significant changes compared to your boardroom. Our boardroom, we have certain processes and procedures and whatnot. And and you might get a different sergeant or airman or uh, private first class or uh, master sergeant, whatever you want to call the rank. You, but your overall system stay the ch stay the same when you get back. But when you get home in that bedroom, you've matured and they've matured and you've changed and they've changed. And you might have come back from the frag or you just came back from the desert and there was relationships that went over and shaped and molded you. You just got to start slow and then ask where you can help. So and I would just help in the transactional task of what your spouse is burdened on by. So if it was laundry that was overwhelming or if it was uh, child care or anything else or if it was uh, the finances or anything else, you know, try to take those things over. And if during the deployment, if you can take over certain things during that regard, even better. Like finances, everybody can manage finances anywhere around the world. I, and I did that on every deployment. So I would just go over in every you know week or two and say, hey, here's the budget. This is how much you know you can have for yourself pay this online and do this. And I took over that. So that seamlessly didn't never had a transition issue. But just going over and just taking it slow, processing the color again, processing the smells, processing what intimacy is like, you can't just go jump in the sack the first night, sometimes you might be able to sometimes you might not, it might be that initial intimacy high. And then afterwards, it's like, it feels really awkward. So take it one day at a time, like you're, you're building a new relationship. It's always you're renewing your spouse and, and redating your spouse and engaging with your spouse and saying what is and what isn't. Even me and my wife working this business right now, it's like what you can handle, what you can't handle. Like she's doing social media for us now for at least on the Legrity Media side. And she just started today. I ask her what she can and can't do and then walk in there. Yes, there's many other things, but I'm like, hey, whatever you can and can't do and allow them to go at their own pace, especially when it comes to bedroom stuff and your kids went to the living room, you just got to take it small bits at a time. And if you can 
do what the army does, which they do great. And I'm not sure if they're still doing this now. When they got home from deployments, they would go to Germany or Hawaii or Florida for those couple weeks. So just the families can go over and connect. If your service doesn't do that, save the leave in time and try to see if you can work with your unit to say, hey, can I just go process with my wife or my husband or my family before I process into the workflow? That's the best thing. If you can't, then just try to get the task done. But take that time as much your squadron or leadership allows you to. Just take that time to transition. And don't expect it to be done by the time your leave runs out or your R&R. It's going to be a while. It could be a few months. It could be several months. It depends on how far you're away and where your relationship was at and where it's at before, during, and after. You know, and I, and I love that. And, you know, and I think that, you know, um, I try to work on my, my marriage every day. You know, I try to be the best husband I can be and try to help with her needs before she even maybe might need it. You know what I mean? Just try to always be a blessing to her. Of course, we always fail because we're guys, so we're always gonna <laughs> we're always gonna screw up. But um, you know, a lot of people like when they start a business, say for instance, you know, a lot of people when they get out of the military, and you know, we know a lot of people in the in the veteranpreneur tribe. You know, they all get out, they all want to start t-shirt companies, hat companies, coffee or liquor, and then six months later, they're ten thousand dollars in debt and don't know what just happened a lot of times because they didn't sit and have that hard conversation across the kitchen table with their wife about starting a business yeah so can you talk about that because i think that's very important because sometimes it's better to have the hard conversation and then ten thousand dollars later and six months later instead of having that harder conversation you know i wish it was only ten thousand dollars for me but that's a different story uh but yeah so i got the calling for my initial first business um it was in the 2007 deployment i was wrestling with my brother's death my parents divorce and then i i was sexually molested between 8 and 15 you know uh all those three things i was wrestling with while i was deployed and god gave me a calling he's like the reason why he kept me here was to teach the world better relationships and I initially wanted the hard charge. I called my wife. I was crying in the desert, literally. I was like outside walking between like dormitories and whatnot and everything. And got this calling and called my wife back and everything else. And she's like, whoa, Pony, you got to have a plan. And I thought she was being offensive at first, but it was the wisest advice I ever got. And when you're this, you got to have your spouse and depending on where your life is at, your kids on board. It, and I and I got this concept from like uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Kurt Cameron, and he did this on a on a on a video documentary one time. Kids have a view, a voice, and a vote, but it depends on the age. So your spouse always gets to view the voice and the vote on what you're going on and doing, and God's got to have that biggest vote, of course. But in the sense of the human perspective, the view is just seeing what's going on. If your kids are zero to five, they just see what's going on. They get a view. As they get older, 5 to 12, they get a voice and they can go over and speak to a certain point. They're not speaking like, hey, this is what you got to do. This is they get to speak their opinion and how it's going to affect them. And then later on, as they get older, depending on the topic, they get a vote to go over and to go. And when it comes to your spouse and jumping into business compared to the kids, your spouse always gets the highest vote. Your kids should not get the vote and say, 
I don't want to go over and move or I don't want to go over and do this business. You can have a, you can have your view, voice and vote depending on your age. But at the end of the day, it's you and your spouse that are going to live out that legacy and your spouse needs to have. So for me, I didn't, I didn't follow that at first. It took her eight months. Now she's like, I think this would be viable. And it was a different business name, a different perspective at the time. And, um, I started doing it like as a side hustle from basically 2008 to 2012, didn't invest too much time, got some speaking engagements here and there and whatnot. I got basically kicked out of active duty, not negatively, but just basically, uh, it was, uh, the way the MOS worked or the AFSC, I couldn't go back to another one. So they said, Hey, you can't stay in active duty because of this rule. And I'm like, all right. So I thought God's calling God's timing. And my wife's like, uh, I don't think grass is going to be greener on the other side. And I'm always a grass is greener on the other side guy. It's usually not. So I rushed into it and we almost went homeless. Uh, so it wasn't just $10,000 in debt. I liquidated the TSP and then ran out of money and then work took forever. And I got down to $300 crying and saying, Lord, what am I going to go over and do? And it was God's providence. My disability came in and then a job came in, but. I look, I'm like, I did not follow God's word. I didn't follow my wife's word. I didn't even follow the ministry's words that they were telling me at that time. And it took a lot of recouping. It took from when I got out in 2012 and then the business flopped the first time in 2013. It took 70 jobs to go through in seven years and still going almost homeless two more times to finally get the clue. And the funny part is, is when your wife's on board, typically God's on board. And since my wife's been on board and helping, things have been flourishing. Like um, War Hero to Superhero is now going to be broadcasted in 213 countries through Legrity Media. We started Legrity Media about 45 days ago. We got about eight clients um, and we're growing to get their message out there, to lift their message positivity with lives and communities. And now things are starting to go over and thrive. But when you initially do that, you got to have the hard questions early and you got to take that wisdom. Your spouse is your best friend. Your spouse, your spouse sees the other 50% of Jahare's window. So you got to take that wisdom also bathed in prayer. And even if you're a non-Christian, listen to this, even just taking the wisdom and meditation and whatnot, and not just and, and listening to the entire message and looking at it from your perspective and their perspective, and maybe from a meditative perspective, you might have a lot of wisdom out there before you go over and pursue. Because I, I'm just going to say this, more girls, in my uh, opinion, than guys, just from my perspective and what I've evaluated, safety and security is usually more important for them. So if you provide them safety and security and actual love, then they're more apt to walk with you compared to that. And it's also a good business practice. It's like, hey, what revenue do you have that's going to support you six to 18 months or longer, depending on the type of business that's going to support you so you continue the business and support the people. So for right now, I'm doing this government job right now, which is government slash military. But then I, me and my wife both agree. It's like, hey, when we get to a certain dollar value that keeps coming in the count from residual income, then Enough to go. So once we reach that number, then we can go over and go from that job. And it's the same thing sometimes from enlistment to enlistment. What do you have pushing forward? And if you have enough revenue for a good long time and your spouse is behind it, then more likely your business is going to thrive compared to you. You make a quick, fast plan. You sell t-shirts, coffee, beer, 
or booze or whatever else you're selling, you got to have it proven for yourself and to your spouse before jumping out. Because if you don't, you're going to do what I do and almost go homeless three times and go through 70 jobs. So it's like, you don't want to beat my record. I, I don't want you to beat my record at all. Anybody that's listening, I want you to have the average standard of jobs because you were transforming to what you were supposed to be, not scrambling to go over and keep the family just alive. <laughs> yep. Now, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people are will quit because, you know, they say they see themselves as failures and they don't realize that failure is an event. It's not a person. So what made you not decide, all right, I failed once. So I guess I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. What made you keep going? Um, it was just God's calling on my life specifically to teach the world better relationships. It just got more fervent. And then in 2017, I snapped my back. Literally, my L4, L5, S1 just ruptured on there. It was November 2nd of 17. It's been like now about four years. And this guy like at a church basically told me I should give up and uh, go suck it up and do a 10 to $15 an hour job. And you should get rid of your military career and just start back up and eventually build back up that normal E, you know, employee mentality. And I just felt so convicted. I'm like, why am I going to give up on my military, my veterans and my first responders? They don't go give up on me in the field. Why am I going to go over and do that? So the next day I got up and walked, didn't walk well it took me three months to get back up and rolling, but yeah, my wife's been my rock. You know, my Lord's been my rock and it's just this fervency. I, I have a very internal motivated person. So if you're internally motivated, you, you tend, you tend to just go through the trials and say, Hey, what's next? Because I want to serve the greater good. But if you're externally motivated, you're, you're probably, if those external things go away, you're gonna probably let it go. So I think if I had to look at it from an other outside perspective, and say I'm externally motivated, you really got to have something long-term internally motivating. What motivates you past the money, success, the fame, the, the opportunities or anything else? What is that calling? What is that message that's in your heart and in your soul that keeps you up every single night and goes over and keeps you going every single day? So it was for me, it was like, I want to leave legacy. Uh, my goal, my recent goals is in the 20 years of doing, you know, War Hero, Superhero and Legacy Media, that's what I'm projecting as, is I want to impact, you know, 10,000 veterans and change their dreams and destiny. I want to impact 100,000, you know, veteran marriages and change their lives and go from not just, just divorce, but a thriving marriage. We got to break that statistic, even though some of them are jacked up on the way they're recorded and whatnot. But the long story short is that we have a lot of legacy when we're together than compared to part when we're separated. So for me personally, it's like I have I have that internal motivation is that even if I transform one life and I'm a dollar heir compared to a billionaire, that's what's most important to me. Now, Lord willing, I get to do more things with more money, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop just because of my lack of income. I can come in those years so I can attest to that. And I've even seen God's providence. I'm like, one year I was like, I worked 12 jobs and I only made $30,000. Mathematically, I shouldn't be able to survive. How did this happen? And I saw his providence again and again through different situations and blessings or companies helping out or, or people and everything else. And that's also kept me going too. So, uh, but if you can, uh, 
avoid those things that I did. I would say a really good community, really good spouse that's behind you and everything else. And you know what, what your end calling is, and that's going to keep you going in the entrepreneurial world. And don't be sad if you go back to the employment world for a while. You might meet the people and the opportunities. I wouldn't have met you, Richard, if I wasn't working at a set job. I wouldn't have had the money to go to the military influencer conference. We wouldn't have had those chance of conversations. I wouldn't have had the money for a phone to text you. I mean, so uh, there's entrepreneurial is a great opportunity, but sometimes it's the right time in the right season. And make sure you're... So now, uh, out of all the people, you know, because you had me on your show, which I'm so grateful. It was like one of the first shows that I ever did on, was ever on. And I've been on like almost 160 podcasts now. And yours is like one of the first. Um, so out of you know, all the people that you've interviewed, what are some of the things that people struggle with in their, their transition when they get out of the military? Uh, the biggest thing is that we really just get caught up in our mission and we don't look at the legacy of our mission. So we'll get caught up in someone else's mission and be like, let's say the 101st Airborne is to go over and basically launch people in the sky and drop them off and then do their fighting mission. I'm not that familiar with 101st, but that was the first thing I thought about. We get so caught up in the mission of that unit. Like, let's say my unit right now, I'm in a mission support group. I'm a group training manager and the mission is to get them education and training. How do I now transform that for myself? And if I just only look at it for the at the moment, you're going to get out and then not realize who you want to be when you grow up. There's a really good book to go over and read. And, and I don't know a secular version of it, but I know the Christian version. It's called Kazone, C-H-A-Z-O-W-N. Um, and it's a really good book. It's a yellow book. And it helps you walk into your dreams and your destiny. Um, another person that does this very well in the veteran transmission is Chris Hoffman. He's up for a vote on street shares. So if you get a chance and you can vote for him, I think he has a couple more days. But those, if you don't know what your mission is, your next mission, then that's going to make it really difficult to transform. And you also have to look at your MOS or AFSC and see if that's going to be applicable to your mission and transformation fiscally. Because when I was a comm troop, and that was one of the second to last jobs I had, getting out of the service and I was mental health when I left out. So I've had several MOSs or AFSCs. I've actually had seven. And some of them you might find out that due to the year when you get out and everything else, you might not be able to transform your next mission to something that's viable. So and if you're not, when you're getting out of the service and you're not looking at like, what's my legacy for my family, legacy for my kids and legacy for the people I want to go over and serve, if you haven't figured that stuff out yet, I think that's what makes it the hardest for the transformation is that you don't have your Kazone, H-A-Z-O-W-N, or you can hook up with Chris Hoffman. He has a really great program for veteran transformation. If you don't figure that out, I think that's the hardest thing because I had an idea, but I wasn't, I wasn't following God or my wife and I was doing it the wrong timing. So but I think most of us, yeah, we really just don't have that figured out. So that's the biggest thing I see with the veterans is like either the services are not available or we're not thinking through legacy through or those types of things. And I know the military is trying to figure that out each and every day, but we really need to take that time to start transforming weight in my ETS because that's too late in the game. Uh, a guy named Cornelius, I wish I could remember his last name, but he's working on that with the Army to build a transition battalion. 
that gives at least six months of time. So wherever you can in your military career, when you're like six months, a year, maybe even two years out, and you know you're getting out, start making that transformation. What do you think educationally that you're going to need? What do you think relationally you're going to need? What do you think financially you're going to need? Uh, is your MOS or AFSC transferable or rate because uh, to to be able to thrive in there. My calm career field and my mental health career field without further education was not enough revenue, to say the least. So uh, so start doing that reverse engineering. And if you're struggling, like, hey, you can connect with us uh, at Learn and Live. Hey, if you're looking at it from more from a Marine-type perspective and you're trying to really get it, it's like the really in-depth. Uh, Chris Hoffman, fantastic guy to go over and connect with. If you're looking at it from more from a relational perspective, we'd love to connect with you. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is start looking at yourself as like, what's your legacy? When you start looking at that, you'll start reverse engineering and at least you'll have better success because then you'll start connecting. You'll start looking for those resources. You'll figure out what to say yes to and what to say no to. I said yes to too many things. Business initially the first time. My business name was Perspectives and Reflections. It sounds like a spa now that I think about it. Even if I just networked with a couple of people and asked like, hey, what do you think of this name? Could have saved me thousands of dollars. So yeah, so that's why I would say is just start thinking about your legacy past the military and connecting with those people and start building those steps and connecting with those people. That's gonna be the biggest thing in your transformation. Well, okay, so you know, let's talk about marriage a little bit. Um, I had the pleasure of having lunch with Pastor T.D. Jakes one time. Oh, wow. And we were talking and um, we were just talking about marriage and him and his, his beautiful bride. And he said, if you don't date your wife, another man will. So talk to us about keeping that spark going, not just in the bedroom, but, you know, you know, sometimes just walking by, you know, giving her a kiss on the forehead or just, you know, telling her that you love her, sending her flowers and stuff like that. Because, you know, a lot of guys, I think we're so, you know, we got we got the woman that we wanted. We married her and then we kind of forget what it was like dating her and how we got her. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the things most of you guys are going to hate, my first recommendation is a monthly anniversary. You'll hate it at first. You'll love it later. And the ladies are probably like, wow, yes. So I do a monthly anniversary. So been married now 14 years. And um, what's today's date? It is June 7th. So 14 years, five months, and 19 days. So I can count down to the second if we need to. But every 18th, I do an anniversary. So every month, we go over and celebrate that. It could be something as small as a small gift. It could be something as maybe night out on the town. Maybe it's, maybe it's linked to intimacy and romance. Maybe it's just going over and giving your spouse a break from the kids, or, you know, it could be going over in words of affirmation, sending cards, flowers, candy, and everything else. So taking that time to remember your spouse each and every month, you know, that's the first thing that I recommend to keep your marriage. If it's possible, number two is to date her in the sense of getting out of the house and everything else, at least on a regularly scheduled basis. Now, you might say to yourself, Daniel, I have kids. So do I. I have four of them, and they're all really close in age. And my kids have a maraud of issues. I have them mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, because we all do. And you go over, and you still got to take that time. Uh, 
if you can't afford it right now and your finances are low, Datebox is a great place to go over and to have those ideas sent to you. You can either do the online version or the box that they send you. They have like a monthly subscription either for the box. And you can break down that box if you just want to use it for several date nights, either inside the house or outside the house. Getting a walk could even be a date night. But just going over and doing that too, say you got to be able to date your spouse on a regular basis. Um, also, learning their love languages. That's another way to go over and to connect. If your words of affirmation and physical touch and your spouse's and your wife or husband's quality time and acts of service, you're learning to visit their love languages. And even that is just going to refuel them. Because for me, a kiss on my head pisses me off. Don't do that. I hate physical touch. I love intimacy. I hate physical touch on a regular basis. That's just me. So if you go over and give me quality time, you know, or you're going over and doing an acts of service and you go over and say, hey, Ed, you're sexy to me. And you hit a lot of points in that particular regard. So monthly suggestion. Take time to do that, guys. It might be uh, ladies might be uh, wanting this now, but guys, if you're going to execute this, it takes time to start getting that battle rhythm up and going. Regular date nights and just overall learning your spouse. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's the five love languages, about their personality style. Uh, and the biggest thing to go over and do is continually pursue them. We, as civilians and military across the board, you could have an eight or 10 hour day. Your productivity is not eight to 10 hours a day. I'm just being point blank with you. I don't care what your job is. You're going to have times of lull. We're, we're connected to the cell phone. We binged eight hours a day during COVID. Eight hours a day. Didn't matter if you're a military or a civilian. There is times and moments to take two to five seconds to send a text, send a voice thing, send maybe a quick meme to, to your spouse just to go over and to connect or a quick phone call. And that's going to bring dividends into your marriage is that you're connecting with your spouse throughout the day. Don't be waiting until the date night or the monthly anniversary or until the yearly anniversary or like, hey, it's gold year. It's 20. Regularly go over and do that because you in your mission, you plan for your mission when what your job is throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year. You plan your businesses and you want to look at them, you know, one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years and you reverse engineer that you need to be doing that, too. And dating your spouse and keeping a good marriage. And I, you know, I love that. And, you know, something that um, our friend, Stephen Eugene Kuhn mm -hmm. talks about that. Um, sometimes you have to live without expectations. And if you expect something, at least let the person know that you're expecting something like a lot of guys, they'll go, they'll go out, you know, go buy candy, buy flowers, and think they're going to get lucky. And then she just turns around and says, I'm tired. And they get all butthurt about it mm -hmm. because they were having expectations and those expectations were never, were never talked about. So talk to us about, about expectations. Expectations is communications. And if you're not communicating with your spouse, you're, you'll never get those expectations in general. That's with any human being like, if I expect you to be work at five and I didn't brief you to come and work at five and then I'm pissed at you that you came in at seven, if I never told you, well, how can I expect you to do that? So it doesn't matter from the bedroom to the boardroom is you got to have those communications. Don't make the assumptions. And I usually don't cuss, but 
I'm not sure if your radio show allows me to cuss, but yep, it, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, so this is my only one cuss that I usually do on the radio is that if you make an assumption, you're making an ass out of you and umption. And umption's pissed, more pissed than anybody else. And that umption's usually attached to a person and also to uh, a, a belief or a value or something else. So it's better to go over and to ask than to go in that particular regard. So to keep your relationship and going, you got to have that regular communication. It's like, you know, we can have intimacy tonight. You know, is that, is that a viable thing? You know, looking at the kid's schedule and everything else. Yes, that might be something. Or even if it's like picking up the house or taking a phone call, or as if you're doing a, a, a business together with your spouse, you can't just assume that they're your employee. They're your partner. Now, if they are technically, have to be really defined and that's the other part of communication you know you have to know where to take those lines and say hey because as me and my wife are growing a business it's like technically i'm the director uh, uh on the technical side and she's looking at doing social media and it's like she would be coming to me for advice but i mean i still need to treat her well so just never making the assumption no matter where it's at in the relationship and make sure you're having that communication and save your words and, and this is a roundabout fact because everybody's different, but the average man communicates 50,000 words. The average woman communicates 100,000 words. I communicate about 150,000 words because I love speaking. But the long story short is that if, if definitely the guy, it's like you got to save some of your words for home. There's a lot of times we use the words at work and we're like, and we give, it's basically saying we give all our energy at work. At the end of the day, the average person changes their job every five to go through an average nine jobs. I went through extremely more in a lot faster pace. But those people, doesn't matter if it's a 20-year military career or uh, nine months, let's say you uh, nine months, I've met people as short as nine months in the military or a contract job, whatever it is, the majority of those people will not be with you. The boardroom people, there'll be very few from the war room or the boardroom that people will be with you. So you need to invest those words and that energy the most. It might not be the first, but the most amount of energy needs to be invested in that bedroom. And when you're doing that on a regular basis, that's when you go over and thrive. And expectations and the assumptions and everything else are less because now you're focusing and asking those questions and not assuming because it can change from day to day sometimes, you know. Our health could change in a moment's notice, you know. And plus, especially coming from the man-woman side, women have a 28-day cycle, so energy and everything else goes over and changes. So definitely no assumptions, guys. We, we, it doesn't go like a calendar. It's not like, hey, it's every first of the month, this is this. No. <laughs> Just the numbers alone, things shift. So, yep. yeah. So Okay, last two questions. Um, how do we find you? Uh, how can we support whatever missions that you're doing? So there's three main missions that we do. So uh, the basically the parent company that came out of is Learn and Live. Uh, Learn and Live, you, you can just go to uh, militarymarriagecounselingaz.com. Uh, you can go there and find us. And out of that outpouring of Learn and Live, we built. And you can find that on Facebook and Twitter and everything else and on uh, um LinkedIn and everything else. You can also find it from the parent company, Learn and Live. Um, so you can just Google Learn and Live in multiple different locations and find it. So if you're at the point you're just wanting content to help you thrive from the bedroom to the boardroom, just find War Hero to Superhero and go do that. 
if you're wanting to get your message to the next level and you want to take your vertical momentum like Richard or uh, we have a new uh, client that we can announce in a couple of days that just uh, I won't announce his name professionally. He's a really awesome veteran guy I know. And you want to take your message to the next level, then go find us at Legrity Media. And it's L-E-G-R-I-T-Y media.com. So Legrity Media, it's an infusion of legacy and integrity with a global community in mind. And War Hero, the superhero, will have a channel. So if you're looking to get past the noise of YouTube and podcasting and everything else, not everybody's going to be a Richard Kaufman and be super famous. So if you want to get to that point to have that voice and to get that out there, we would love to go and help and serve you. So if you're already doing digital content and sense of video or you're ready to do that, Legrity Media is that place and that powerhouse so we can get past the noise and get your message out there clearly and succinctly. We're on a soft launch right now. Uh, so they jump in and veterans get a $200 a month discount. So any veterans and first responders that go over and do a TV show with us, they get a $200 a month discount. And that's basically going to be permanent for the business. Now, where's that TV show being seen? Uh, you'll be seen in 213 countries. We are broadcasted through uh, an app on the iOS and on the Android, the Samsung laptops. All the You can access us on your desktop and your mobile and any web platform you have. You can also be seen on Apple, Amazon, Roku, Chromecast, uh, which is Google, LG, Samsung, uh, Philips TVs. So uh, with all those locations, there's about a 300 million reach. So each of those platforms have about, you know, 40 to 50 million uh, set top boxes that they're connected to. And we are uh, doing now and we also market you too. So we're starting about two to four posts a day on our social media starting next week. And then we're, our goal is to get the 48 posts a day. So you are regularly getting talked about through our six social media platforms. And we also do PR marketing and other things. So our goal is to get you out, distributed it and marketed out so you can get past the noise because YouTube's a great place to start. But the thing is, is there are millions of them. And the thing is, is we want to have a few good that are wanting to bring that light and to bring that positivity. And we want to amplify the voice. So that's why on YouTube, usually it's your job to amplify your voice. For Legrity, we want to amplify your voice. And that is our heart. Okay, so last question, because... Um, we still live in a crazy world. If people are listening to this, we're still at, in COVID. Um, so we got a lot of parents that lost their jobs. So they're driving for Uber or DoorDash just to foot, put food in their kids' mouths. We got grandparents, homeschooling kids. So we live in a crazy world. And if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, uh, they're likely not going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if somebody out there right now is struggling in their relationships or in business, you can answer both of you. Like um, mm -hmm. what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? Hmm. In the next 24 hours, how to get help in either their business or their family life. Um, yep. I would just go over and say, and one of the biggest things is maybe starting prayer or meditation. Um, and prayer is just a conversation. You might not even have God in your life. It might be just a conversation with you and that deity of choice. And uh, meditation is just starting to take the thoughts that are bad and making them good. So that I am worthy 
I meet a lot of people that struggle with their worthiness. And that's why I mean, they, they either leave entrepreneurism or they leave their marriage. They, you know, they don't feel worthy to be a parent and everything else. Just meditation can go over and do that. So I would say in the next 24 hours, that would be the most important thing is like, take the step to maybe start praying or start meditating. If you don't know how to go over and do that, then maybe find a friend or you can talk to us at, at we give 20 minutes free to every military veteran first responder of us so the first 20 minutes are free so if they need to they can just direct message me daniel faust and ask for those steps to go over and do or anything else um but yeah i would say prayer and meditation because within 24 hours i think that really starts changing your life is because you're starting to change your mindset and then your soul and your spirit it's maybe not instant but it's something that as long as you do that if you did that cumulatively over time it's kind of like brushing your teeth. Your teeth don't automatically become rotten because you skip a day and they don't automatically become white because you started a day. But over time, to get your teeth back whitened or if you start skipping constantly, your teeth are going to start rotting. So uh, that's what I would say for hours for anybody to go over and do. I love it. Uh, I want to thank, like I said, I want to thank Jason Lane Curtis from Bonvera for giving my favorite canned energy drink. It's called Physics Zero. All the energy, none of the sugar and no crash. Definitely check out Jason Lane Curtis at Bonvera. Brother, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, I felt a kinship to you ever since we met at MIC down in Washington. And I just want to say thank you for coming on and hanging out today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for letting me uh, come in to talk and to listen. Yeah, this will go out probably in the next couple of weeks. It'll go out on 10 different platforms. So okay. I'll send you all the, the links and everything to push it out. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, brother. Well, have an amazing week, and God bless you and the family. Oh, thank you. You too. All right, brother. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand-new T-shirt line that's coming out, hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support vertical momentum and you're always looking to get better also we have our new coffee brand coming out it's called vertical momentum coffee it's ass kicking coffee and and it will it will get you moving in the morning so guys if you're interested go to www.richardkaufman.net check us out leave us a note Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.